All right, let's pray and let's get started. Father, we just want to thank you again for the opportunity we have to come together, Lord, as your church. Lord, to learn, to study, to talk together about uh, the truths that we find in your word. Lord, I pray for all those folks, Lord, with this, spring, this uh, being spring break this week, God, that are traveling, that are in different places, God. I just pray that they would uh, enjoy their time off, Lord, that they would uh, have safety on their travels there and back. And uh, we're just thankful for the opportunity that we have tonight, Lord, together to talk about uh, your word, to talk about building each other up, God. We live in a world that seems to tear everything down all the time. But God, that's not what Christians are to be, Lord. We're to be building up. We're to be edifying. We're to be uplifting, encouraging. And I pray, God, as we uh, talk about that tonight, God, you would convict us of the areas where we're not. God, you would point those areas out to us, God, and you would help us to understand, Lord, how important that is within the church. Lord, I pray for all the uh, lots of families, Lord, who are going through loss at this time. Lord, just pray for them. Lord, pray you'd be with them in this season, God. I pray that we as your body, Lord, would rally around them to help them, to grieve with them, Lord, to help them as they go through this process, God. I just pray you'd give an extra measure of grace in each situation, God, as only you can. And Father, uh, I just want to thank you again for the opportunity that we have. Lord, beautiful weather this week. God, it's been so great to see spring coming. And God, again, as I look out and I see that uh, you're in control of all things on this earth, God, I'm reminded that you are sovereign. And God, if you can uh, help the, the leaves to turn green and the grass to turn green and things to grow, God, you're in control of our lives too, God. You care about us. And God, you have plans and you've made preparations in our life, God, and you have things that are for us to do. So I pray, God, we'd be busy about serving you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been going through a whole bunch of stuff tonight. It's called building up your spouse. So I have a question for you. What's one of the most important things before you build? What's one of the most important things you need to be, uh, be aware of? Wow, man, y'all got it off the bat. I was hoping somebody was going to say the price of lumber, you know, or something like that. But no, your foundation. Why is your foundation important? We can get some more seats. I was pessimistic. I should have been optimistic. I apologize. Yeah, you did. You did. So why is your foundation so important? You got to move over a little bit. Look, there's no. Come on, come on, Cambry. Come on. Gosh. Hot say again, sir. Sorry, I was giving Cambry a hard time. That's what you build upon. That's what you build upon. So when we're talking about building up even another person, we need to consider their foundation, right? So principle that we're going to be talking about tonight: as you and your spouse understand who God is and the value you have to Him, you can help each other slay your phantoms and start the process of becoming all. God wants you to be. It's like an army commercial, right? All that God wants you to be. So when we're talking about building up others, what's some ways we can build up others? Encouragement. Encouragement. I hadn't got this one wrote down yet. So encourage, encourage. Did you say art? No. So again, say. I was helping you. Oh, what's the next one? So encouragement, what's the way we can help build other people up? You ever have anybody give you instructions? Is that a way of building somebody up? Yeah, okay. In a way. Oh, come on now. If you've ever seen uh, instructions like on Christmas Eve when you're trying to put something together, it's nice when you have someone actually tell you. Did I spell that right? Instruct, I think it did. What other ways can we build each other up? Pray. Wow, so we can pray for somebody. Oh, I, oh, sorry. I'm going to put pray down here too, though, so I'm going to give you two there. How's that, Carla? And I'm going to say intercede, right? And if you can't read this, I apologize. It is spring break. What other ways can we uh, build others up? Sit up 
He's got people on both sides, man. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like this one, but correct. Oh, wow. I can't write all that. I'm just going to leave correct. That's right. <laughs> Rebuke. It doesn't work. Uh, how many of us like uh, being corrected? How many of us like being corrected? No, we don't like that. What's another way about building up? What's some other ways we can build up other people up? We can support people. Anything else? Taking time with people. Listening. I think you should pray for patience. I tell you what, if we want to, we can stop right now. We'll all pray for pr- patience for Kathy. How's that? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay, sorry, I didn't get enough chairs out. I was pessimistic. I apologize. It's all John's fault, actually. He said, yes, you're right. Nobody's going to show up tonight. They're tired of hearing you, and I said, you're correct. So there's lots of ways that we can look to build people up. One of the biggest issues we're going to face in building others up is can we actually, do we have enough perception and ability in ourselves to build others up? That's probably one of the biggest issues that we have in building others up. We don't actually think that we can. And if you don't think you can't do something, guess what you're not going to do? You're not even going to try most of the time, right? So we see, see an issue, we see something going on, and we're like, ah, you know what, somebody else will do it. So let me ask this question. How, uh, let's just go this right to the scriptures. I'm tired of asking questions. Y'all good with that? Romans 15. Romans 15. Let's look at here, let's look at a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to go through and talk about some different areas about how we can build others up. Romans 15, verses 5 through 7. Actually, let's go all the way back to, to verse 1. I like it better when we start at the very top because my Bible, at the very, in chapter 15, it says, bearing others' burdens. That's how it starts off there. Interesting way of putting it, bearing others' burdens. So verse 1 says this. It says, we then, who are strong, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... Receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So it starts off here talking about bearing others' burdens. How many of y'all bear other people's burdens? Okay, only these two. That's it. Okay. What does that mean, you think, when you hear that? Bearing somebody else's burden. Bless you. So you come out of the grocery store, and there's this person, and you grab their groceries, and you go put them in the trunk of their car. Is that bearing their burdens? It could be, right? I mean, it could be a little thing. What's some other ways that we bear others' burdens? Oh, my goodness. You had to bring that up? What? She brought up if children. If they go through a crisis, you take it on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. My mama told me that this weekend. It was rough. She said, you're still my boy. And I'm like, I'm 50. Right. Yeah, it's just true. Right. So we bear others' burdens that we care about, right? 
Oftentimes, we don't even tell them that, but we bear it along with them, right? We suffer with those who are suffering, right? We have joy with those who are having joy. What, uh, who other, whose other burdens do we share and to, do we bear? Co-workers? Church members. So, like, there's people in our church body that's going through suffering right now, right? We, we bear their burdens along with them as we go through, right? Why should we do that? I mean, it just said it in Scripture. I mean, it's good enough for a command, but... It is biblical, but why, what's, what is the point? What does it do for us? It makes us more like Christ. Any other things it does for us? Builds our endurance spiritually. Hmm? It humbles you. That's a good thing, right? Because we're actually taking somebody else and we're putting them above me. Because I'm number one, right? Everybody else is number 483, right? No, we're actually seeing somebody else and we're putting them above our own needs. If there's nothing more Christ-like, I think that would be it right there. So it's good for us to bear others' burdens. In fact, we're commanded to do it, and we should have eyes that see that and seek that out, especially us as Christians. We should be looking for others and what we can do to come along beside them and help them through that season. Because one day, guess what? We're going to go through a season very much like that. And when you give to others and do that, guess what? They're more willing, likely to come along beside of you as well, right? Not saying it's... You should have a a heart for wanting to do that. If we we really love our neighbors as Mm. ourselves, we're going to feel their hurt just kind of like they are. Mm. I mean, I've got friends of mine that's going through things, and I think about them constantly because they're going through something that I very well could be going through, Mm. and maybe have gone through in some cases. Mm. So it's important for us to do that because at the end of this, we look through the scripture, Paul is urging both the strong and the weak to pursue spiritual harmony no matter their beliefs. The harmony should be two ways. It should be internal, you should think alike, and then it should also be external. You should say alike, right? Oftentimes we might not think alike and what happens? We actually come out and then we have division versus unity versus harmony. The end result in all of it though is what? God is glorified. When we bear others' burdens, God is glorified. And is that our purpose? Amen. That's our purpose, to glorify God and to make disciples. Remember? Is that true? Okay, at least one of you. That's good. Okay. So we want to note the term receive here in verse number 7. If Christ could and did receive us into the family of God, how much more should we be willing to accept each other, no matter what disagreements, issues, doctrines, worship, music, people, colors, what you wear, what you say, all these other things that divide us, should we not be more than willing to receive others based on what Christ did for us and received us? Yes. yes. Okay, that's two of you. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at some scriptures there. And then we're going to keep rolling tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses. And one of these days I'm going to bring these, cut, cut my glasses out here. Verses 29 through 32. Verses 29 through 32. Verse 29 says this. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The word corrupt here actually means foul, rotten, like you would describe spoiled fruit or rotten meat. 
Have you ever said something and you think, wow, that's actually the wrong thing to say? Yes, when we have corrupt speech come out of our mouth. What's some corrupt speech that we're guilty of saying? What did you say? Yes. We, do y- any of y'all have problems with cussing occasionally? Oh, nobody will confess it in here. Occasionally, yes. If you say it in here, guess what? Just as good as you say it in here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so she had to bring up the cussing thing. Yep. Cuss words. What else? Corrupt words. Gossip. Hearsay. Hearsay. Murmuring. Murmuring. Speaking in anger. Snide comments. Man, I like how you said that. Sounds like somebody at the barbershop. Snide comments. <laughs> what other kind of comments? Here's one I'll throw at you. How about sarcasm? Just throwing it out there. I didn't say it was right. I just said, hmm. Does our speech, do we ever come to a point where we recognize that our speech is rotten? Where does that sp- speech come from? It comes from a rotten heart. Right. I mean, anything that comes out here, it's been said and percolated through here already, right? And it just comes out. We need to really be careful about our speech. Think back over this week and examine what words have come out of your mouth. What percentage would be in that rotten or foul category? I need an answer from every one of you right now. Right, no. Still count. <laughs> I get my calculator out. Whoa. So our speech should be, should be instructive, encouraging, uplifting, even when corrective, right? When we correct somebody, if we're not careful, what do we do? We knock them down. Correction should be bringing them up, right? That's, the, that's a big problem, especially when you talk about children, right? We need to be building them up into what they should. And all of our speech should fit the moment and the situation. You ever said something at the wrong time in the wrong place? And you're like, not even your, it's not necessarily your foot, it's up to about your hip. You're like, how did, that's not what I intended, right? The best thing you can do, I'll give you some Jim Craver advice. Shut up. (laughs) If you're not sure what to say, shut up. (laughs) Right? Let the time come. There was a story just come to mind. It was talking about uh, one of them Beethoven type people, right? Played the piano real pretty, one of them guys. He heard somebody, it could have been Mozart, I don't know. Just, just, Just roll with me here, right? And somebody that was really close to him passed away. And the story is he went into the house. He came in the back door. He went to the piano. He didn't speak to anybody. And he sat down and played for about 15 minutes. And he got up and he left. And they said during that time, peace just rolled over the whole place. Everything. He didn't say anything. Sometimes we talked about your time just walking with somebody. Just being there in the moment is what they need. Not us telling them how to fix their life. After being married for 28 years, I still need to work on, work on that one, right? We need to make sure that we understand in the, in the moment, in the situation, how to encourage, how to edify, how to build up. We who have been shown such amazing grace should speak and live with that same grace. In here it says, how do we grieve the Spirit of God? It says, do not grieve the Spirit of God. Why does it tell us that? What? To be doing what God has told us to do. Otherwise, you're going to grieve him. Correct. So how do we grieve the Spirit of God? Communication. Corrupt communication. Yeah. How about no communication? Yeah. 
You see somebody hurting and you go, I'm uncomfortable there. Y'all never had that problem? I've had that a bunch. It's like, I don't know what to say. Guess what? You don't know what to say. But there's a God in heaven who does know what to say. And it's amazing how if you will ask, he will tell you what to say. And sometimes you don't need to say anything but, sorry. I'm thinking about you. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. Maybe if you've got a little bit of time. Even, I don't say maybe. You know what you should do? Slip your arm around him and do what? Pray. I mean, that really communicates that you're there for him. The main issue that we have here is we act like we're lost versus acting like we've been redeemed. That's the number one problem we got. I think you said that, Donnie. I just said it a little different, but it's pretty close to that, right? Our, <laughs> our old life and our attitude versus our new life and attitude. Do we ever compare the two? Does that old life come seeping back through? That old attitude come seeping back through? We should have a new attitude. Do you think we treat our family differently? Right here. Do we, do we treat our family different than we treat others? Yes. I think all of us. This is. Can I go on a little rant here, Donnie? Is that all right? Please. Here's what I would say. I have a lot easier time talking to y'all than I do my family. You know why? And my family knows what a rotten dude I am more than anybody else. And so I think sometimes it's easier for me to come alongside a young person and talk to them than it is my kids in some ways. It's really weird that way. And sometimes I think we, you know, that don't mean we shouldn't still be doing it. But I think sometimes it's harder for us to do that. Should, we, should it be? No. All right. Anybody else got, got something on that one? I don't believe that. <laughs> I would tell them if you two can figure out how to get along, how to get along and be um, respectful to one another in the house, you will do it outside of the house. Mm. Everybody will start cooking the home. Mm. If they can do it in the home, it's not so hard to do it outside of the home. Mm. Amen. Girl, you still have troubles with that. We're going to pray over you here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I took it on really good right now. So <laughs> Sometimes I think we forget to do that in the home, you know. Um, it, we, sometimes we're just so remission-minded on everything we do, like at church or at, home, or at work or whatever. Sometimes I think families forget to do it in, in the home. It needs to happen in the home before it happens anywhere else. Home is where we put our guard down, yeah. where we relax, and we forget that's number one mission. Number one mission I've got is my wife, right. number one. Number two is all them bunch of kids, right? But it should go that direction. To repeat the same from Romans, we who have been forgiven everything should be willing to forgive much. All right. Um, I'm going to bring up just a topic that was brought up uh, here. I wanted to see what y'all thought. Have y'all ever heard of a phantom standard? Okay, I'll bring it down a little bit mother, a little bit closer to you. Do you expect your wife or your husband to do things that your mom or your dad did? No. For, I mean, you ain't got one yet, but you know what I'm saying, right? Do, you, do we expect our wife or our husband to do what our mother or our father did growing up, and they don't even know how we grew up? 
Yeah, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. There's one person. Yep. We all have these standards that we've never communicated well to others. And instead of building up our spouse, what do we end up doing? We end up tearing them down because they didn't do it the way we've always wanted it to be, to be done. Right? You know, I didn't have to say that again, but you're right. Yes. <laughs> How do these things affect our relationships? Negatively, Negatively right? Uh, is your wife or your husband, your dad or your mom? Please say no. That's correct, right? That's not why you got married. Now, I will say, though, as I've gotten older, I do things a lot more like my dad. And I don't intend to. We'll be getting together. We'll be doing something. And my mom will look at She's like, your face, all my, it's just like him. That's not like I try. It just works out that way. I don't know how it works, right? So there's certain things that we just sort of flow into. And there's certain things that we need to do what? We need to stop. We need to say, hold on, whose standard do I need to live by? God's standard, and that's how I need to treat my relationship. We've got to be careful with that, right? So let's look at a couple of scriptures here, and then I want us to go keep going down. I've got a lot of different scriptures here, and it's already 730. So we'll do our best to get down and then give our uh, chance to get into some smaller groups. So let's look at Romans 12, verse 3. <laughs> All right, so when we look at standards, we need to make sure that we understand. For I say, through the grace, bless you, for the, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So when we're looking at standards for others, we need to do what? We need to think soberly uh, about our decisions. How many of y'all have issues with thinking soberly, rationally, humbly about each situation? We have issues with that because we're only thinking about what need we have, not what we're asking or demanding about what's going on. So we need to make sure that we understand that. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'll say that again because that's a hard saying. What comes into our minds, the first thing when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. Why? Because we're trying to be a reflection of him. And if our first opinion about God is there's somebody up there just waiting to crush me. This is how I grew up in an independent Baptist, right? Yeah. I did this wrong, man. He just wants to stomp on my neck, right? That's my view of God sometimes. Why? Because that's how I was raised. Is that the right view of God? How does it affect me then? I go about looking for what? Something to fall to the wrong thing, and it's all because I did something wrong. Is that the kind of relationship we should have? Okay, what about if you have this a view of God where he's just somebody that's distant? It's just, he's there, but he's not, you're not really connected. Now, what will you do then? Pretty much whatever goes, right? Because he's distant, right? So that first view of God needs to be so important because it's going to dictate how we live then, right? What we think dictates how we live, how we act. What is your view of God? Is it biblical? I mean, in the church, we have a lot of views of God, and I just want to say a lot of them doesn't line up with this. Why is that? Because we've heard some preacher who's preached. Might not have been what the Word of God says. Most important thing you can do tonight, if you don't take anything else, consider your view of God. Write it down. Tomorrow, think of your view of God. Write it down. Thursday afternoon, think of your view of God. Write it down. Do it for about a week. And it will tell you how you view God. 
And then from there, flip it to yourself. Based on this view of God, how am I acting? Do I put on a certain facade when it comes to church, or do I have genuine worship, genuine relationship with God throughout the week? Because that opinion, that thought of God, is going to act itself out when you're not here. All right, I, that was really good. I think everybody liked that. Okay, so let's continue going down through here. To experience a healthy marriage, you must strive to unconditionally love and accept your spouse. Why do people fear rejection? Is rejection a normal part of life? Right? So why do we fear it? It hurts our pride. Right? Wow, you had to cut right to the middle, right? We have a problem with pride. When we are rejected, we automatically, that's, it, it hurts my self-esteem. Have y'all heard that lately? Maybe that's a problem. Right? Do we have esteem? Yeah. Our esteem is built on what, though? The Word of God, what Christ says about us. So we need to understand, people fear rejection. If we go to the garden, we can see what happens when they feel Adam and Eve thought they were going to be rejected. What did they do? They hid, right? They tried to cover themselves. They tried to make a way to make sure they were all right. That's what we do today. We do exactly the same thing. Sometimes we do it by our righteousness, right? We appear very, very righteous to everybody. But what are we covering up? The fact that we're not. We've got to be very careful with that. How can we demonstrate unconditional love? Let's look at 1 Corinthians real quick, Locke. Yeah, we're going to go to the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 8. So this is some ways we can demonstrate unconditional love. Love suffers. You notice, ain't it interesting that it goes right there to begin with? Love gets what it wants. Love makes you feel good all the time. No, it just says what it says. Love suffers long, and while it's suffering, it's kind. When you're suffering, are you kind to other people? Most of the time, I am not. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, and it endures all things. Love never fails. Mm. When you look at love and who you love, would they describe your love in this manner? Just a question. Just, just a thought. So let's think about that as we continue to roll through here. I want to jump down to the last part I've got here because this all seems to be my brain ain't jiving with it tonight. So let's go to uh, six steps to give your spouse the freedom to fail so you can build them up. Do, 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 do. Generous praise can transform your spouse and improve your marriage. Are you one of those people who praise others? You are, Donnie? I'm glad. I am not. You know what I typically do? I'm sarcastic towards people. Or I'm like, yeah, that was good. Good job. <laughs> right? I'm, just, I'm just not. Something I need to work on. Here's a cookie, yes. So why is it important for us to praise other people? Should we give people empty praise? No, right? Everybody shouldn't get a trophy. There's people's win, there's people lose, right? What happens when you lose? You lose and you should do what? Try harder, right? You should say, hey, I'm playing with a bunch of losers. i got to play with a different team, right? No, I'm just joking. Maybe it depends. It's surprising how much better people. I, I used to do that to people that worked with me or mm. under me, actually. And I would go to them and build them up because I learned from a young age uh, working around people that when you start, it's amazing how it changes 
the way they work, their mm. work habits. If, uh, if you include them and tell them you're doing good, ask them some questions, what would you do? Mm. It's amazing how much better the work conditions gets both for both them and for you. Mm. You get so much more out of people and, and more cooperation, less static. It's just, just something I learned a long time ago. And it still works today, even with our families. Mm. Let's go it again, putting other people's needs above your own, right? People know that you care, so you ain't got, you know, they're going to do something a little bit differently then, right? So one of the first things you can do, one of the first steps to give your spouse or other people around you, this is sort of for all of our relationships, the freedom to fail. You ever heard of a book called Falling Forward, Failing Forward? I think it was John Maxwell. Basically, he says, are you going to fail in your life? Yes. yes. How should you fail then? Where it knocks you backwards or it makes you better? Are you someone who likes feedback from other people? That's good. Most people don't much care for feedback from other people. We should live in a feedback loop. Because if not, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do the same things, the same mistakes, and we're going to expect different results. And that's called? Insanity. Insanity, yes. And we live in that world right now, very much so. So the first thing we need to do is offer people forgiveness and restoration. When somebody fails, that should be the first thing we come up with. Not a, hey, this is what you need to do to fix yourself. We should forgive them and restore them. Why? Because God in Christ Jesus forgave us and restored us. Amen. Correct? That's right. So if he does that for us, should we not do it for others? Absolutely. Especially those that we're closest with. Oftentimes we offer this to other people, but we, have, we harbor resentment and bitterness towards others. We need to offer forgiveness and restoration. We need to assure our spouse, other people, of our commitment our loyalty and our love, regardless of their performance. I'll say that one more time. We need to make sure they understand we're committed, we're loyal, we're going to love them, regardless of how they do. You don't measure up to my standard. Who cares if they measure up to your standard? Did they measure up to God's standard? The things that you don't like, it's not getting met, that you don't want, is that necessarily what's best? If we humble ourselves and we consider others' needs greater than our own, then what are we standardizing and putting people on a pedestal about doing we need to be very careful about making sure that we're not judging everyone based on their performance. Did you not come to church this week? Did you not read your Bible? We should, right? We should. But are we judging people? Are we holding something back from them because they didn't meet a certain standard that we have? We need to be very careful. We don't know what they've gone through. Maybe they didn't come because they've been sick. Maybe they have to work. There's all manner of things that could go on because we don't know. If we knew them a little better... Maybe we'd have a little bit more grace. Maybe we need to know people a little bit more better. Well, let's not go there. I don't want to know that too much, John. <laughs> Small group time hasn't happened yet. You'll get your say in just a minute. Uh, we need to remind our spouse, your worth is not what in what you do, but in who you are. Same good thing that goes apart. We need to make sure that they understand it's not about what you do, but it's about who you are in Christ. We need to comfort our spouse in their scriptures. Let me throw them out here. For the forgiveness and restoration, uh, it's Luke 15, 11 through 32. Uh, assuring your spouse of your commitment, it's 1 John 4.18. Reminding your spouse about your worth, that's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And then the next one is comfort your spouse with, with the truth that God's in control. Do we ever comfort people saying, you know what? All things work for the good of those who love God. Are called to Romans 8.28, do we ever comfort that? We do when there's a funeral oftentimes. I hear that oftentimes, but we do that in the course of a day. Is God in control? Is he working all things out for his glory? And ultimately, you're good. Everything, even the stuff we don't like, need to comfort, them with, uh, comfort each other with the truth that God 
is in control. We need to join with our spouse in giving thanks in all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 How often are we giving thanks on a daily basis? And that last thing is to encourage your spouse not to lose heart when failure occurs. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. When we give others the freedom to fail, failure can become a tutor and not a judge. Failure should be something that helps encourage us to be better, to do better next time. shouldn't be something that judges us forever. Do you remember five years ago when you did that? That shouldn't be what we're talking about, right? We shouldn't have that. Some of the things that go on, right? We want to make sure when we're stressed out, we procrastinate, we overcommit, we have job demands, we have change, we have conflict, financial pressures, unexpected problems, friction, uncertainty, health issues, friends and laws, church involvement, my own unrealistic expectations, cultural pressures, all of those things we push out on other people. And we need to make sure that we're not doing that. We need to understand each one of those and give that to God. We need to quit taking all the stuff that's going on in our lives and push it on to everyone else. Because we want to build people up, we need to make sure that we're can you build anything if you're not right? If you're all jacked up, are you going to be able to build anything up for anybody else? So you need to take care of who first? Are you sure you? Okay, yeah, we need to make sure that we're right. How do we do that? How do we get right with God? Check it against his word, read the Bible. And we do what sometimes? Pray. Ask, tell God, hey, I'm stressed out because of this, 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 and this. And then basically what we're saying is I don't trust you enough, God. Help me. Give me more. Help me to trust you more. Can God handle that if you, if you tell him that? He might. I don't know. I'm not sure. Right? Depends on what, what your view of God is, right? Going back to that. Need to make sure that we do that correctly. Let's see. I think I'm done. It's, it's, it's 830. This, this was not where I wanted to go tonight. So, building up your spouse. Didn't work out. Y'all ever had a lesson that just didn't come together? You top it up and it comes together and you're like, man, once you start reading it, it's just garbage. Okay. So, Building up your spouse. Hey, I'm just being honest. I mean, that's just where I'm at. Building up your spouse. What's three things you can do this in the next two weeks to build up your spouse? You don't have to answer. I'm just saying, what's three things? You know them, right? For people who aren't married, what's three things you can do to build up your parent, a coworker, somebody in your life that's down? I'm not saying, I was saying, think of three things, right? Keep that, keep that in there. Right? Think of three things you can do and then do it. Right? Tomorrow, tonight, the next day. And if you do it regularly, if you regularly build others up, guess what will happen? It will become a habit. You'll actually look for other people to build up. I'll give one last thing and I'm done. My mom, you know, obviously she's a saint because she did have me, so bless her heart. Uh, she's one of those people who goes out of her way no matter where she's at to help other people. She trips me out with that because I most of the time go through life sort of in a blur. You know, I went to Walmart this morning to get something done. My goal was not to see anybody or speak to anybody. Just being honest. I had 32 minutes. I went in there and got it done and left. She would go in there and spend an hour. Pretty much, yes. She would go in there and she would spend an hour probably and find seven people to talk to. Because that's her. And Nita's like that quite a bit too. Yeah, I mean, everybody's a little different. Just don't go. Okay, now make sure you don't go with Eric. Go, go with Kathy. Okay, we got those people pointed out. But all of us should be like that. We should be looking for the people. She, was talking, she told me the other day when I was up there talking to her, she said she went to the grocery store in Yakinville, and so there was a guy in the parking lot, and he just looked like he was struggling. So she went in and bought him something and went over and gave it to him and then prayed with him and then, you know, went through a Bible verse with him. And I'm like, I would have never seen the dude. 
I'm just being honest. I would have been, but she has eyes of compassion. She's looking to build up others. She's looking to help somebody. Now, granted, she's retired. She ain't working. She, you know, you know, bless her heart. No. Should all of us have that? Yeah. Everywhere that we go. To some extent, yeah. To some extent. Okay. Well, I mean, you should have it everywhere you go, but like you should. I mean, <laughs> Killing me. I'm just turning this off. Go ahead. <laughs> no, Eric, I'm giving you a hard time. I mean, if you got things to do, you know, if you got, if you're on a mission, my wife's always on a mission, especially when you go to Walmart. But, you know, I, I do think you have to allow for God to interrupt your day. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, I think you have to evaluate, is this, is, is God leading me to do this right now? You know, sometimes what you, the mission you're on is more important than the, the thing maybe you feel like you're being interrupted to do, but. Right. You know what I'm you to, you so you're talking about we should have discretion and discernment. Yeah, right. Discernment. Thank you for pointing yeah. that out. Eric, if y'all would listen to him tonight, he's got a better on that. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is God is going to bring things to you then, right, Eric? Would you agree with this one? As you, as you see things and God brings that to your heart, you shouldn't turn it off. You should go and do it, right? 